why a book? It's been a while. It's been a week off. Yeah, we just had stuff. We went to Things happened. We saw Green Day. No, oh, Fall Out Boy. We didn't see Fall Out Boy. We're coming for you, Pete Wentz. <laughs> My brother was like, Pete Wentz isn't in that band. He's a lead singer. I have to say. Obviously. My mind took the name Pete Wentz to be at, like, a golfer. <laughs> I don't know why. Wow. So, I never willingly think about golf. So I don't know why that happened. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Well, we got a book today. Oh, I'm Renee. And I'm Mary. And we've got a book today. That's what happens every time on this podcast. Yes. And very exciting because we're getting into the world of Rick Rorden. Riordan. I don't, I don't know. We were e- email friends. <laughs> Fun fact. Wait, really? So, in middle school, I did a a language arts project on the myth bases of Percy Jackson, and I emailed it to him, and Mm -hmm. he emailed back, being like, great project, and he made me demigod of the week, which was, like, fan of the week on his website. Oh my god. Yeah, so, (laughs) I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a friend of Rick, you'd say. (laughs) I think our cat's writhing. (laughs) It's been a it's been a crazy week for our cats as well. Yeah, the one cat's choosing violence. The, the other, other cat's cat choosing anxiety. Choosing, <laughs> choosing panic attacks. Anyway, yeah, so fine. So me and Rick go way tight. back. We go way back to two thousand nine. This book came out in twenty ten. Anyway, so this is uh, the Red Pyramid, not a Percy Jackson book. This was his second series, which was all based on Egypt myths. And uh, the series is called The Kane Chronicles because the kid's surname is Kane. Yeah, I never even knew about these books. Like, um, that actor, Dean Kane. My mind just went Citizen Kane. (laughs) Yeah, not that. But it's not even spelled like Dean Kane. (laughs) I only know him from the John Mulaney bit. Anyway. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what this book's about. How about that for a start? Yeah, that would be a good start. Okay. Ever since their mother's death, siblings Carter and Sadie have been near strangers. While Sadie's live with their grandparents in London, Carter has traveled the world with their father, the brilliant Egyptologist Dr. Julius Kane. Which, what a name. Julius. Then one night, they are reunited when their father takes them to the British Museum, hoping at last to set things right. Instead, he unleashes the Egyptian god Set, who banishes him to oblivion and forces the children to flee for their lives. Oh, don't you hate when you're just banished to oblivion? (laughs) I wish I was banished to oblivion in this world. Like in our world or the book world? Oh, in our world. Okay. Same. Um, soon, Carter and Sadie discover that the gods of ancient Egypt are waking, and the worst of them, Set, is after the Canes. To stop him, the siblings must embark on a dangerous journey across the globe, a quest that brings them ever closer to the truth about their family and its link to a secret order that has existed since the time of the pharaohs. So this is like, because you said earlier that this is like AU, the alchemist. No, no, no. I, well, not AU, but, but similar, similar to similar, the alchemist. Yes, that's, yes. That's what I meant by AU. My, my, th- my first bullet point is more like the alchemist than Percy Jackson and has some hints of blue bloods in Mortal Instruments. This is like if it was YA alchemist meets American gods from the description. 
for me. American Gods has been on my to-read list forever because it naturally seems like something I enjoy and have never well, done Well, I have a copy, so if you ever feel that, nice. motivated, let me know. Yeah. Well, we're going to add another book that I've read into what it's similar to because it starts off very Maximum Ride-esque. Oh, my God. With that warning. <laughs> you remember they're like... Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> so the narrator is addressing the listener because this whole book is the transcript of a recording. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, oh, shit's fucked. We're all in danger. Go to this school and open... The locker, the combination is 13, 32, 33. You'll know why those, like, numbers make sense. Don't worry. If you're the right person, you'll know what we're telling you to do. And be careful with the package inside. It is powerful. And make sure you don't keep it too long and that you pass it to someone else. And it sounds like a horror movie set up where they're like, you have to go retrieve this thing and then you can't keep it too long yourself and you have to pass it along to someone else. It's like that, um, uh, one, it's like that box movie where it's like, you ha- if you hit the button, someone else will die, but you'll get like money or something. The box. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's I mean, straight that's... up called The Box. Yes, it's with Cameron Diaz. It's called The Box. So you get offered a million dollars if you press the button sealed within the dome on top of the box, but once you push the button, someone they don't know will die. Okay. And then there's also the, um, fuck, what's that? Drag me to hell. It's another similar thing where, like, you have to pass someone something. I did not know that was a premise, but I do know the name. (laughs) Drag me to hell? Yeah. It's a horrible movie. Anyway, those really... I, I think I'm grasping at straws <laughs> when, I make, when I say that. So we're going to get back into the plot. Yeah, we haven't even started the book. Yeah, so also it switches from first person narrative between the siblings. So when Sadie is the narrator, at least in the beginning, it's full of like very cliche British English and British things. Mm-hmm. We love that. Yeah. We love a cliche. Mm-hmm. So, at this point, Carter's narrating it, but he's like, Sadie's telling me I need to hurry up um, and explain. And he says, everything started the night their dad blew up the British Museum. Classic. So, Carter Kane is our narrator, and he lives out of a, out of a carry-on suitcase traveling the world with his dad, an archaeologist, an expert on Egypt. Their mom died uh, when they were very young, and the mom's parents had a huge legal battle with the dad over custody and got Sadie. Carter implies they really weren't interested in him, and might be um, there might be some racism involved because uh, they're a mixed family, and Carter takes after his dad and looks black, mm. and Sadie takes after the mom and very much looks white. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of racism discussed at the beginning of this book. Like, this might be critical race theory, since no one seems to know what that is on the internet. So I'm putting it out there. <laughs> this is critical race theory. <laughs> it will trigger conservatives. Uh, so anyway, Carter and their dad get to see Sadie twice a year. And it's Christmas Eve, so it's one of the days they see her. And they've just arrived in London. And... 
his dad seems very paranoid and keeps clutching his briefcase and, like, looking around. Something's very off. And Carter says that whenever the dad clutches the briefcase, that means something bad's going to happen. Like, one time, uh, people stormed their hotel room with guns, and they managed to survive, surprisingly. And that whole time, the dad was, like, with his briefcase, like, opening, shutting, like, clutching the briefcase... And then a man who looks like a jazz musician uh, is watching them from the distance, and the dad goes to speak with him while Carter goes to see Sadie in her house. Uh, And Sadie is there with the grandparents and a cat, which uh, the dad gave her when he lost custody. Mm -hmm. And the cat has not aged at all, apparently. It's very strange. This cat is living a great life. And her (laughs) name is Muffin. So Sadie's like, we should go eavesdrop on dad and this suspicious jazz musician. <laughs> and they determine that his name is Amos and that he's an American. And he's warning the dad that people are trying to stop him and the per onk is following him. And Julius loses his temper and threatens to duel Amos. <laughs> so Sadie intervenes and Amos leaves. <laughs> so the dad reveals that they're going to be getting a private tour of the British Museum. And Julius, uh, we find out from Carter, has been very forlorn uh, and reminiscing on his wife recently. And he stops him along the way at the Cleopatra um, Monument, which is an obelisk in London, Mm -hmm. and says that this is where their mom died. And they're like, why are you dropping this bombshell on us right now? What do you mean she died? This fucking, like, statue in the middle of London. (laughs) (laughs) And then suddenly two people in Egyptian outfits appear and then quickly disappear. And the dad's like, we gotta go to this museum. And he's like, I'll explain everything when we get there. And they get to the museum, and he doesn't explain anything. And he's like, we're here to see the Rosetta Stone. And there's a tour guide there who's showing it to them after hours. And their dad goes, hey, kids, I need you to go walk the tour guide uh, in his office, because I got to do something. Uh, that seems normal and safe. Yeah, and then, then he's like, also, why don't you lock him up? Go somewhere else, stay safe. And they only listen to the first half. They're like, we are down with locking a guy in his office. <laughs> Say no more, Dad. <laughs> Say no more. <laughs> um, so then they go back to see what he's doing, and he has this weird boomerang-looking thing. Uh, and he's, like, doing some kind of ritual. And they realize it's a summoning ritual, it sounds like. Um, and there's a minor explosion, and this guy... This fiery-looking guy steps out, and I just picture Endeavor. (laughs) He is a fiery-looking guy. Yeah. And honestly, like, this guy fucking sucks. So is Endeavor. Uh, Unless you're that one cosplayer. That's the only Endeavor I accept. Horikoshi did say that um, in a QA and a that the hero who looks most like a villain is Endeavor, so... Oh, he's an asshole. Yeah. Anyway, that's for another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Julius is very confused because he didn't summon Fiery Man. He summoned Osiris uh, and references being the host of Osiris. And the Fiery Man's like, you're not, you idiot. You just unleashed all five of us. And then he casts some kind of spell and the dad is trapped inside a coffin and then he sees the kid standing there and he's like oh hey it's you and Carter's like it's who you know me (laughs) what's happening to my dad Uh, then the people from the obelisk show up and Carter passes out (laughs) 
we sh- we shift to Sadie's uh, narration, and in the first like three sentences, she says "rubbish and bloody." <laughs> Probably mates. Classic, natural. Mm -hmm. And then she says that when they woke up at the museum, the police were there and they separated them and were interrogating them. And uh, Sadie gets taken back to the grandparents' house and the police are like, hey, we know that your dad's a terrorist and your brother's probably an accomplice. uh, So you can just, you know, tell us your story that we just told you to tell us. (laughs) And uh, she's like, no, that's not what happened. Like, she and Carter... We both tell the truth, and they're like, kid, how are we supposed to believe that? That's the craziest story ever. And she's like, I don't know, maybe it was like a gas leak, but that's what I saw. And they're like, no, 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 your dad is a terrorist. Oh my god. And then, she, at one point, they're like, oh, you're still protecting them? And like, and they protect, he, the cop implies that Carter isn't really her brother. And uh, we're getting into racist cops, people. Oh my god. Yeah, I was like, wow, this, whew, this, uh, this fits. This really fits. <laughs> and then racism also gets addressed. I'm skipping ahead a bit, but racism gets addressed later because Carter always dresses like in khakis and a nice shirt. And he says that his dad told him to do that because he was like, you, you're a black kid, especially now that you're you know a teenager and growing up. You need to be careful how you present yourself. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Rick Warden just <laughs> dropping conversation on racism in this book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is really interesting because in Percy Jackson, like, there's no discussion of race <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah. Like, all the kids in the, the... All of Athena's kids are blonde with gray eyes, and they're like, yeah. So, he definitely got better with representation as his career went on. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, fuck it. Let's address systemic racism. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, back to the plot. She says, well, there's this Amos guy. He was sus. And they're like, no, no, no. We talked to Amos. He's in America. And she's like, wait, who's Amos? <laughs> I've never met that man before. Why do the cops know who Amos is? <laughs> um, so things end up getting smoothed over by the police officers being in a bit of a trance and being like, you know what? You guys are just, you and your brother are being deported. And then the police officer just leaves. Bye. He's like, you have to leave the country. That's it. And then in walks Amos. <laughs> and the grandparents are like, was this your doing? And he's like, yeah. Well, not the, the museum. The cop deporting them. That was Amos' too. And yeah. And it turns out Amos is their uncle that they haven't seen since they were very little. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, the grandparents don't want Amos involved. And they don't want to have anything to do with Julius's lifestyle. And Amos goes, huh, that's pretty funny seeing as you picked a home on the east side of the river. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> so they, the grandparents finally agree to let Amos take the kids since he is the best bet at keeping them safe. And he's like, all right, we got to get to Brooklyn. It'll be like an hour tops from London. They're traveling by magic boat. Oh, a magic boat. A magic boat. A magic boat. A magic boat. Great. Gets them from the Thames River to the East River. Sure it does. In an hour. Great. Yeah. He uses, like, magic hieroglyphics to summon it. I also have to say my brain processed River Thames, which I I do know uh, have been there. Yes. (laughs) um, As the River Styx. Are they in the underworld? Well, we'll get there. I believe it. 
I mean, we'll get to my fave when we get there. Anyway, um, so they have this Willy Wonka boat voyage <laughs> and end up in Brooklyn by the Williamsburg Bridge, and it's a boarded-up warehouse, but surprise, it's actually a large mansion that's under a kind of glamour. Sound familiar? Did you say glamour? Yeah. I'm just like that, because that was, what was that from? The glamour? That was like a thing? That's from Mortal Instruments, which this sounds like. <laughs> okay, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. I like, it set off a red flag for me. Yeah, because the the church that is actually the like house yes. there. Very similar. Um, and Amos does not explain much because he thinks the kids need to sleep first. But he does explain that uh, Egyptians believe the east side of the Nile is for the living, so certain people, like himself and the grandparents, will ha- choose homes that are on the east side of a river. And okay. this ho- this warehouse mansion in Brooklyn is per Ankh the house of life, which is a real thing that existed in ancient Egyptian times. Hmm. Uh, and it is said to have been created by Thoth, the which I believe that's, it's pronounced Thoth, not T-H, yeah. Thoth, the Egyptian god of knowledge. Uh, Fun fact, Thoth is the Greek name. The original name for the god was Jehudi. Jehudi? Jehudi. Well, I also have to say I'm picturing this building explicitly as the cult building from around the corner. Well, it's not. It, it's I like a bougie not. mansion, but it's... But this is the I, image my brain has chosen. I feel chosen. like we, can't go, we shouldn't say too much about that cult on the record. No, they, but <laughs> that's the building I'm picturing. It's if all you know, you know. If you know, you know. So this mansion is the regional headquarters for Pronk, uh, but Amos is the only member left because some shit went down. Uh, <laughs> and the kids are very confused about everything, and to make matters even more confusing, suddenly a baboon in a Lakers jersey comes down the stairs and does a backflip. Oh. And then burps. Okay. And all Carter can do is look at the baboon and go, I love the Lakers. Okay. This is Khufu. Khufu? He lives at the mansion. Um, and he takes them to their bedrooms and they're totally freaked out. Yeah. And they're locked into their bedrooms so there's no potential of escaping. Great. So Carter goes to sleep and then he travels. Into the spirit world. Spoiler. The spirit world? It's called... We're in an episode of Avatar now? I think it's called The Duan, but there's the... It's very much Avatar-esque. But um, he essentially is having an out-of-body experience. So he's, like, in the spirit world, but he's seeing things in the real world. Okay. Um, and he dreams about that fiery man, Endeavor, meeting with two minions. And it, it feels very much like Hercules with <laughs> Hades and... um. Panic. Um, pain and panic. Pain and panic, yeah. Anyway, one of the man, one of the minions asks about what he's going to do about the other four gods and the fiery man. It's a vague plan, like vague plan about what he's going to do uh, with his siblings. Uh, and it ends with him saying that they're going to unleash some kind of horrible thing to a- attack. Presumably Carter and Sadie. And so Carter wakes up and Muffin, the cat, has managed to get through the locked door and is sitting on his bed. Mm. Anyway, so he goes to join Amos and Sadie for breakfast. And Khufu is having some flamingo for breakfast. He only eats foods that end in O. So he eats flamingo, a burrito, Dorito, 
Cheetos. Yeah, he would eat Cheetons. <laughs> well, we'd only have to ever call him Cheeton yeah. to keep him safe. There's also an albino crocodile named Philip Macedonia. Wow. Yes. Uh, and so Amos reveals Egyptian gods are real and people used to channel powers from the gods. And these are magicians. And both their parents are from prestigious bloodlines tracing back to the pharaohs. And the dad was banished for trying to do something that resulted in the mom's death. Um, the two were trying to do something good, but it didn't work. The dad has been so overwhelmed with grief. And the night at the museum, he was trying to summer, summer. <laughs> he was trying to summon Osiris. Um, and Amos isn't entirely sure why, but he thinks it might be to bring back, to try to bring the mom back to life since Osiris rules the dead. Um... I don't know how much you know about Egyptian mythology. I really only know what I know from American Gods, which I don't think is too much. Okay, yeah, because I was, <laughs> as we were discussing last night with our friends, I was so into Egyptian mythology because I read this series. I read this book called House on Hackman Hill, which was about uh, this, like, Egyptian haunting. Uh, I watched Tutenstein, which was about King Tut coming to life a la Night Museum, um, essentially. Uh, well, actually, he was uh, just coming back to life in general. And then what else did I... Uh, House of Anubis. House of Anubis, which I don't remember exactly what Egyptian mythology was involved in that, other than they, they were called the House of Anubis, and they just created each other with a hand over the eye. I, I never Simply even watched that. that show, so I don't even know. Fun fact, it was originally a Danish show. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> anyway, so I... I'm really into Egyptian mythology, him mythology in general, but so Osiris is one of the main gods and he's the ruler of the dead. So uh, the dad accidentally re- released five gods that were trapped in the Rosetta Stone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and don't worry, the other mu- the other magicians have fixed the Rosetta Stone. Mm-hmm. So it's like nothing ever happened at the museum. Okay. Uh, Endeavor, who we find out is known as the Red Lord, and because I already told you the beginning of the book in the synopsis is the god set <laughs> is a very dangerous man god thing. Carter explains the dream he had, leaving out the point at the end of the dream where Set said he was going to send something to attack the kid and kidnap the kids. Nice. He leaves that part out, but he says everything Great. else. And Amos says that what Carter did was going to this essentially spirit realm traveling through that and it's very dangerous if you don't know what you're doing and he says that it it sounds like the red lord set is hoping to get a permanent vessel by his upcoming birthday and amos is like i'm gonna go figure things out stay here kids and jumps off the building gotta go (laughs) gotta go oh also carter establishes from the dream that Set is in Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, okay. Yes, so that's where Amos is off to. Great. Uh, Carter and Sadie break into the library, and um, Sadie manages to, like, do a spell using the magical hieroglyphic things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's catching on to this whole magic thing a lot quicker than Carter is. Nice. They find a little blue statue of a man without legs. His name is Doughboy. He is a shop tea created by the dad. Um, that... Oh, oh, I don't like that at all. I hate that. Oh, God. Put a, a Shotzi is essentially um, a golem. I hate it. And so it's just a clay person, that a clay statue that comes to life. I hate it more than anything. So that's not really what they usually look like, because if you just go to any uh, museum in the Egyptian section, they'll have the little blue men. Uh-huh. 
I hate that thing. Specifically. That's Doughboy. He looks awful. Anyway, he's he very snarky. Me. He will haunt me. Forever. He's very snarky. <laughs> um, and then they manage to find a book. And he also is not helpful at all. They have to use a different Shakti they, to find a book about the five gods that Amos referenced. Um, and they also find that their surname written in hieroglyphs uh, in a book about the line of pharaohs, once again showing that they come from this Egyptian royalty. So the book they find explains the creation of Osiris and siblings. The god Jeb. Jeb. Or Geb. (laughs) It's a G, and I don't know of ancient Egyptian if it was a hard or a soft G. Because I couldn't think of anything else from that time that was a G word. Mm -hmm. Or Keb. Keb? Geb. Geb. Keb. I, so that was what I was confused about originally is sometimes it is spelled with um, a K with K point. Oh, I mean, that makes sense because it's the getting from hieroglyphs into yeah. our thing, uh, alphabet. So yeah, it's either Geb or Keb. So the god Geb and the goddess Nut, they they go off on nut jokes. Oh, perfect. I, yeah. That's everything I would hope for. They wanted children, but the king of gods, Ra, mm-hmm. the god of the sun, forbade it because of prophecy about a child of Nut that clearly was not a good prophecy. <laughs> uh, but anyway... She becomes pregnant, and Ra says that she cannot have children either day or night, so she finds a loophole by stealing nighttime from the god of night, and she eventually has enough time that she's stolen for five days, and these are known as the demon days, and it's why there are 365 days in a year, instead of just 360, I guess. Anyway, so each day she gives birth to a different god, so first is... Every day... Yeah. Wow. First is Osiris, and then Horus, then Set, and then Isis, and Nephthys. So, December 27th to 31st are demon days, and it is Christmas Day today, so we know that Set's plan is imminent because he said it was going to happen uh, on his birthday. I don't mm-hmm. think I mentioned that, but he said he, he had big birthday plans for himself. Great. And so, yeah, <laughs> great stuff happening. And they suddenly hear a commotion and Khufu screaming. And this is, you know, when it comes back to the fact that Carter forgot to mention in his dream, Set said he was going to send minions to retrieve the children. An important thing. He should have mentioned. Yeah, maybe. So, uh, serpent leopards have come to attack. Serpent leopards? Serpent leopards. What does that mean? <laughs> you know, like mermaids. What's a serpent leopards? What is a serpent? The t- serpent on the bottom and then turns into leopard? a leopard on the <laughs> What the fuck? That's awesome. These are things in Egyptian mythology. I love that. Serpent leopard. Serpapod is what they're also known as. Oh, Okay. Want to see a... Oh, I accidentally tried to report a picture of a serpent leopard. <laughs> Is it sexually explicit? No. Oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm breaking the internet. Back to my notes. So defi- despite the defenses that are supposed to be set on this mansion, they're getting in. So anyway, Muffin the Cat transforms. And who do you think Muffin the Cat transforms into? Should I know? Like, genuinely? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Take a wild guess. Um, Robert De Niro. <laughs> <laughs> You're close. Bast. 
Ah, Bass. But not our Bass. Yes. Bass, the cat goddess. Bass, yes. So we find out that she should have been trapped in the Rosetta Stone with the other gods, uh, but the day that the mom died, she ended up being released, and she made a pact to protect the kids in exchange for her freedom. They escape from the serpent leopards, and she steals a car, and the kids are like, we can't just steal this car, and she goes, I'm a cat. I think everything belongs to me. Which, oh wow. That's a fucking movie. That is, that is a cat. Yeah. That is a cat. 100% cat behavior. <laughs> yeah. So they need to get to the nearest obelisk since that's where you can open portals. Mm-hmm. And the nearest one is in Central Park, which usually they would avoid um, Central Park because, as Amos mentioned the night before, when Carter was asking, like, you know, why are they in Brooklyn and not Manhattan? He was like, oh, Manhattan has some other gods. <laughs> A little nod to Percy Jackson. <laughs> yes, the Rick multiverse. Anyway, um, Sadie doesn't really know how to open a portal, uh, and she's their best chance, because Bast can't do it, and then a scorpion goddess shows up and fucking demolishes Bast, but before Bast is demolished, she tells Sadie and Carter that they should flee to the Met, because it's nearby, and it has an Egyptian tomb where they can at least find, try to find some protection and try to escape. And it just happens that the Met, on Christmas Day, is open! For a special exhibit that is clearly free to the public and not that busy. I mean, technically, the Met—it's a donation, so only if you're a resident. I know, I'm just. But also, it's not open on Christmas Day. I know. And if the Met had a special exhibit on Christmas, oh, it'd be a fucking Met. You wouldn't be able to get in there. Um, and they're also in such a rush that they miss the obvious entrance to the Egyptian wing right at the entrance. Like, it's hard to miss the Egyptian wing. Yeah, it's been a while since I've been there, but that's one thing I do know. You just take an immediate right, and it's like, you can see it before you're even in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had no problem finding it in Blue Bloods. So they could make out in front of the, uh... And then the scarabs, yeah. Uh, but they finally get it. <laughs> get to it. And an Arab girl around their age shows up, and it's one of the people from the museum, and the other incident in London and she's a magician her name is Zia (laughs) she and Carter hit it off immediately because they're both nerds though Zia has a bit of an attitude and Sadie doesn't like her so they manage to travel through a portal thanks to Zia um, and they end up in Cairo airport and you find out that there are ruins of an ancient city under the airport and people actually still live there that's where the magician society is and on their way down there Carter has run in with a Ba, 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 a ba, <laughs> a spirit of the dead, mm-hmm. or just a human, it's not always a dead, because when you travel the spirit realm, you're also a ba, but it's a human spirit, um, and the spirit sees Carter and goes, go forth, good king. Oh my god. <laughs> I need to use that more. I need to, <laughs> if I'm ever, like, crossing paths with someone, I want to tell them to go, I'm going to go, go forth, good king. <laughs> Anyway, so they walk into society, there are kids learning, people chatting, etc. Uh, you find out that there are um, these, like, this is the, the main kind of headquarters, but there's satellite ones, like the one in Brooklyn, everywhere, including Antarctica. But the, there are only a few magicians there, and it's mostly as punishment, and there are some magical penguins, and now I believe Pen Pen is a magical penguin. Magical penguins. Magical penguins. 
So, <laughs> Zia now takes them through the ancient Egyptian equivalent of Spaceship Earth, which... Right. Uh, if I also was like, alternatively, if you don't know what Spaceship Earth is, it's like that one scene from Ragnarok <laughs> when Thor's going, when they give them the history of the, um, the fighting planet, when they, like, take Thor in. They're like, there's a Spaceship uh, Earth, uh... Right, been a while. Right, that's called Spaceship Earth, right? I always confuse that with the roller coaster. There's the one in the ball. There's a ride in the Epcot ball. Uh, when have I been to Disney? Well, that's why I put the Ragnarok scene in as another yeah. example. Okay, yeah. Is but that... it's like the history of the Earth. Mm-hmm, okay. Anyway, so they get that, they get like a very quick, like, visual, like, history of things. It's not important. Um, what you need to know is that magicians blame gods for the demise of the Egyptian empire. Mm-hmm. And that's, they've made, like, put a ban on magicians communing with gods and, like, kind of lock the gods away. They're like, no gods. This is a godless place. <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> so they're brought into a throne room with Dejardin. Dejardin? Dejardin, who is the other guy from the museum in London. Um, and... The other person in the throne room is one of the monks from Breath of the Wild. <laughs> he straight up is that old and looks like that. His, he's the chief lector. Uh, his name is Iskander. He is so old that his native language is Alexandrian Greek. Okay. Yeah. So he straight up it looks like one of the monks from Breath of the Wild. Uh, so Carter and Sadie explain everything that's happened to them, except for their kind of magic abilities, because both of them have these voices in their head being like, don't mention that. Um, and then you get the typical fantasy book, you get like bureaucratic, no, the, the evil guy can't be loose, we're so strong, we've taken care of them, you know nothing. <laughs> um... <laughs> But they say that they will look into Set, and there have been other rumors about gods being released. So then they say that Carter and Sadie will need to, to take a test. And uh, they ask Zia when they're leaving what happens if they fail. And she's like, you don't fail. You either pass or you die. <laughs> yep. And that night, Sadie manages to break out of her room, and she goes back to that, like, hall of memories. And she's transported to a memory of when Set tripped Osiris into that coffin from the museum the first time around, like, back in the ancient times. Um, And in this memory, Isis is married to Osiris and pregnant with Horus. And Isis looks just like her mom in the dream. And then this attractive, dark-haired, pale teen boy notices her. No one else notices her. It's like she's in the pensive, but this guy notices her. And it goes, oh, are you a ghost? And he's like, oh, no, you're, you're a human. No, she's a bitch. Yeah. Well, that's what he thinks about her later. Oh, great. <laughs> we love a, a full circle moment. Yes. <laughs> um, and then the vision changes, and she is, in the perspective of Isis, fleeing after Set has essentially kidnapped, killed, whatever, or Osiris. And Iskander at this point pulls her back into reality and explains that um, what happened after that point is Osiris was not freed, but he was resurrected into the underworld, and that's why he's the ruler of the dead. Mm-hmm. And that Horus fought Set to avenge Osiris. And said he's like, I'm a little confused because in this memory. Horus was the kid of Osiris and Isis, but in this book we read, 
They were all siblings. And Iskander explains that relationship of the gods uh, is very strange and changes. Um, And it's usually due to their human hosts. So the gods will possess humans. And sometimes the hosts of Osiris and the host of Isis may be born as siblings. Other times they may be born as lovers. And Sadie goes, gross. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, it's different for gods. They're not human. It's not incest. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, And it gave me Blue Blood's vampire reincarnation vibes. With the whole, like, oh, in the past life they were Magical IVF or whatever. Not the... But the, the whole, like... They're in the past lives. They were siblings, but now they're married. Now they're not oh, that right. part. Not the, there's no twins, ma- This like, makes more sense because it's literally just like yeah. gods having different hosts throughout time. Got it. Yeah. Um, and he explains that being host to gods is difficult and gods can overpower the human or the human can just combust if the power goes wrong. And then he implies that he's going to die soon. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> he says that Sadie will need to help Carter to complete his task, and Zia can help them. Um, and the next day, uh, Sadie and Carter have their test, and it's revealed that since the siblings come from two powerful royal bloodlines, they have the potential to be very dangerous, and some may want to have them killed. And godlings, which is another word for the god hosts, are usually killed. And Sadie and Carter are prime god hosts because they have such strong bloodlines. Uh, and then news comes, Iskander has died. <laughs> Goodbye. And Desjardins is in charge. Desjardins definitely wants them dead, so Zia allows them to escape. And surprise, Bast is not dead. <laughs> She's back. <laughs> uh, so then we switch to Carter's perspective, and he recaps what happened during that last chapter for him. So when Sadie was having her visions, he and Zia were having a heart-to-heart about her parents' death when she was young and she hasn't had a normal life and he promises to take her on a date to a mall. And then he has a dream where Amos was captured by Set and Set says, Uh, Anyway, so back to their escape. They get through the portal with Bast, and they end up in Paris. Paris. And Bast is like, you thought I died? I'm a fucking god. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> a fucking... A fucking god. god. Uh, and they realize that Carter and Sadie are indeed hosting Horus and Isis uh, in their bodies ever since the museum incident when the gods were released. And Carter now can communicate with Horus in his mind, and they have quite the... I hate you, bro, but, like, <laughs> moments. They're just, like, it's so funny. Like, it's always Horus just making fun of of uh, Carter. Where it gives me, like, if um, Sukuna was not evil, mm. it would be, this would be their dynamic. Nice. And Bast says that Carter will have to defeat um, Set to rescue his dad and save the world. And Carter then says, I think that Desjardins is Set's host because he was speaking French in my dream. And Desjardins is the only French magician we know right now. (laughs) And Bass is like, well, Desjardins has always been a bit of a bitch, so I wouldn't be surprised if it was him. (laughs) So they have to go steal a book from Desjardins' Paris house. 
Uh, so they they break in, mm-hmm. they go to his library, um, and they find a book on using the magic of five elements. Can you, you remember the fifth element was time in The oh, Alchemist? Yeah, I no fucking... What do you think the fifth element is here? Um, f- fucking something stupid, probably like, I don't know, um, friendship. <laughs> Not quite. They Well, they have one of the little, um, claymen helping them, and they ask the claymen... Oh, I actually believe it's Doughboy, your fave. They ask what the fifth element is, and he goes, eh, cheese, probably. (laughs) You just don't know. (laughs) We'll get back to it. (laughs) Anyway, they get the book, but they set off booby traps, so they're being chased out of the house by demonic fruit paths. Okay. And so, you find out that the IMP-designed glass pyramid at the Louvre works as a portal because it's shaped like a pyramid, and they end up at the Washington Monument, and Bass seems to be hiding something about the day their mom died, but we'll get to that later because they need to get to Arizona by tomorrow, but they can't use this portal again because you can only use it in charge. Uh, anyway, so Sandy falls asleep and her ba travels to the spirit realm and that cute boy from her last vision is there and uh, she asks what he's doing there and he says that spirit travel is similar to death and she's uh, very concerned about that statement. <laughs> and then uh, the cute boy, she's like, oh, she's waiting for you. It's not the goddess of the sky. Mm-hmm. And so she explains to Sadie, who throughout my notes I accidentally call Sophie, <laughs> that the past between the magicians and gods is complicated because the magicians are mad at the gods and they, you know, don't want them out and about anymore um, and shit has happened. And that also the relationship between Set and the other gods is complicated. He is family after all. Hmm. Uh, And she, uh, to help Sadie and Carter, provides some travel arrangements for the group to find Thoth, the god, in Memphis, Tennessee. And the the travel arrangements are uh, free tickets flying out of Reagan Airport in D.C. And she also gives Sadie a letter to her husband, Geb, because she has been banned from ever seeing Geb by Ra because... She went against, they went against his orders and had children. And she also was like, hey, Sadie, remember they said all five gods were released? Well, we know where Horus and Isis are. We know where Osiris is. Uh, We also know where Set is. But uh, what about the fifth? And Sadie's like, come on, you raise a good point. That's not good. You raise a good point. And the fifth one is... Nephthys, who in that dream, well, not dream, the memory Sadie saw was Set's wife. So in a lot of mythology, she is his wife. Mm. Um, so anyway, Sadie wakes up, tells them what's going on. They have this harrowing experience with a crazy monster that comes to fight them. Um, but they get to the airport. Uh, but to get to the airport, they had to transform into birds to escape because they've learned how to do that. And Sadie Perfect. is now stuck as a bird. So Carter has to just pretend that his sister is his pet bird. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, and Carter learns how to store things in the spirit realm. He creates a spirit realm locker for the stuff that he took from Desjardins' house. And he sets the combination to 132333, a number that might be familiar to you if you were listening at the start of this episode, listeners. It's from their warning message. Anyway. I completely forgot that. Yeah, but I'm sure those numbers are retired Lakers numbers. 
Wait, really? <laughs> Apparently. Um, the monster shows up again, but also that kind of makes me think of <laughs> Megami storing weapons for Maki mm. in his little shadow realm. Shadow realm. <laughs> Banished the shadow realm. Anyway, where was I? I don't know. Uh, the monster shows up at the airport, and people are like, wow, that's one crazy-looking moose. Why is a moose loose in the airport? <laughs> What's next? The horse in a hospital? Oh, God. <laughs> Carter names the monster Leroy and manages to trap him in his spirit locker. They get on the plane, and Carter travels to the spirit realm as a ba, and he sees Set building a big red pyramid in Phoenix. And Set says that he plans to annihilate America and make this Pyramid Osiris's final resting place. And one of the minions uh, suggests that he destroys more than just one god and goes after all of his siblings. And he's like, don't worry, we'll have a family reunion soon. And he looks directly at Carter and acknowledges that he's known Carter is there. Uh, Carter wakes up and Sadie is back to being human. He explains his dream and Bass is concerned about why this minion is, like, planting ideas in Set's head and says that destroying that many gods would be catastrophic because it's not easy to destroy gods. Like, I think the Annihilating America comes with the Annihilation of Osiris. Mm -hmm. Anyway, they get to Memphis and play some basketball with baboons, including our dear friend, Khufu. Khufu? Yeah, so they're just... (laughs) You know, playing basketball with baboons. I have to say, I keep thinking, I, you say Khufu, and I keep hearing Kofuku. Ko, it's Kofuku, yeah. Like, every single time, I'm like, wait, no. Yeah. That's not actually what this name is. But I guess uh, baboons are symbols of Thoth, and, like, ba- he protects baboons, so that's why they're there. And the baboons bring them to Thoth, who appears as a 20-something-year-old stressed-out professor writing a dissertation on the evolution of Nax. Oh. Uh, Thoth reveals that Isis is a sneaky bitch, and that Horus and Isis have a nasty habit of fighting, as siblings do. And Horus wants to actually cut off Isis's head. (laughs) And at this point, Isis, like, chimes in. She's like, I was fine. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, Thoth also says that Set will try to stir chaos between the two of them so that they don't achieve stopping him. Mm-hmm. And also says, hey, Isis is going to try to manipulate you into doing what she wants and to get you to ultimately relinquish control of your body. Because Thoth doesn't want to help because he doesn't. he's sick of Horus and Isis's nonsense. He's like, these two more trouble than they're worth. Yeah. And he's doesn't convince, not convinced that the kids can control the power of the gods. That, like, these gods are just going to take over their bodies and wreak havoc. Um, and we also find out that other shady shit that ISIS has done, not the terrorist organization, <laughs> ISIS uh, tricked Ra, the sun god, into leaving the earth by poisoning him and then agreeing to heal him, but in healing him, then making him reveal his secret name because all gods have secret names which are powerful and if you know their secret name then you can have power over them so Isis learns his secret name and banishes him from the earth (laughs) and Thoth was like that was probably not a good move yeah Yep. Um, and Thoth says that he will help them uh, if Sadie and Carter prove they are in total control and not the gods 
Uh, and what do you think? What do you think he wants him to do to prove this? I just I I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> well, they want to keep you waiting. Grave robbery. Oh my God. <laughs> well, technically a state robbery. <laughs> Where's on what's his face when you need him? Nick Cage. No, <laughs> from Survivor. <laughs> James. Yes. Well, they're not actually grabbing. They're not actually robbing the grave. It's uh, a dead man's estate. Uh, and he opens a portal for them, and... The dead man? No, Thoth. Oh. <laughs> They're not there yet, Mary. They're still in the office. Oh, okay. Um, so Thoth is like, there is, uh, something I want you to steal from a very strong magician, uh, who's dead. Here's a portal. Go through. And they end up in Graceland. That's right. Ooh. Our favorite magician. Elvis. And Carter's like, oh, the greatest musician ever. And Sadie goes, who? Michael Jackson? Oh my god. Does not know who Elvis is, apparently. Yeah. Anyway. Kids these days. Kids these days. Uh, Magicians show up to hunt them, and they fight. And the element of cheese is mentioned again, which leads me to believe that the fifth element is indeed cheese. I I just, I have some questions about that. (laughs) I do too, and there will be no answer. Wait, really? They never clarify that? Maybe in the other books. Are you looking up? Yeah. I need to know. I can't live my life without this kind of closure. I just really was not prepared. (laughs) Please, enlighten the class. It's just the types of elements mentioned in the Game Chronicles. Mm -hmm. Fire, earth, water, air, (laughs) cheese. (laughs) It's there. Like, there's others, too. Like, like darkness, rain, (laughs) death, healing, ice, different from rain, different from water. Yeah. Lightning, storm, different from rain, (laughs) poison, cheese, (laughs) but cheese made it into that top five. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, turns out that these magicians are Shopti, the clay people we love, um, and they were the test sent by Thoth, and they find the guitar, which is what Thoth wanted, and on the guitar is a drawing of a cat killing a snake, and... Carter mentions that the snake is Apophis, the embodiment of chaos and something that, like, the gods have been fighting in ancient Egyptian mythology. And the cat is unknown exactly. There's, like, kind of mixed stories on who the cat represents, but it's usually said to be a warrior of Ra's who killed Apophis to prevent the apocalypse. Because Apophis is trying to kill Ra... Or and like fuck shit up to and cause the apocalypse. Um, oh, sorry. Here's this is what it is. If I kept reading, I would know. Myth says that the apocalypse will occur when Apophis eats the sun, and Ra is the sun god. Great. So uh, the cat in the drawing looks an awfully lot like Bast. They go back, and Thoth explains that the incantation they need to defeat Set uh, is in the book that they stole, but it cannot be read unless Set is present, like that once, if he is there physically, then Sadie will be able to read it. They will also need to know his secret name. And they're like, how are we supposed to get that? And he's like, I don't know. Talk to his wife. They're like, well, where is she? I don't know. (laughs) And they will also need a Feather of Truth. I'm hyped because the Feather of Truth is from the Egyptian belief of belief of the afterlife. Uh So... 
the Egyptians believe that when you die, you enter um, the underworld, and Anubis, the jackal-headed god, is there, and he has scales, and on one scale is the feather of truth, and you put your heart on the other scale, so again, with the whole embalming process and what organs they, they kept, it has to do with that, and they weigh your heart against the feather of truth, and mm-hmm. if it weighs more, then a monster called Amit, the devourer, will eat your heart and you will cease to exist. But if it weighs less than the feather of truth, uh, you are free to enter the underworld and live an everlasting life. Wow. Yes. Anyway, Khufu decides that since they have to go to the underworld to find to get a feather, um, he'll go with them instead of staying around to help Thoth with his dissertation on quantum physics. So Khufu's back in the gang. So they travel to the underworld on a boat, uh, captained by an axe demon, who would go on a fairly chopper rampage if he wasn't bound by magic. <laughs> and Bast admits that she was Ra's warrior who was fighting Apophis. And this started before Ra was banished. And when he ended up having to leave the Earth, he bound her to fight Apophis forever. So thousands and thousands of years passed and she was just stuck in an endless fight. Like, you thought Zelda had it rough? She only had to she only had to be stuck for a hundred years. Uh well we're not talking about fucking Skyward Sword Zelda. Well no, we're not because uh, I'm not really sure what's happening with her. She's uh holding a seal for thousands of years. Okay, well Bass is fighting chaos for <laughs> thousands of years. All right, is that that could be a little worse. That could be a little worse. Um, and during this fight, she realized that neither of them would ever win. They're going to be in an endless fight. Well, not endless. It would end as they wore each other's magic down, and they would both cease to exist. So she was just destined, like at this point, to fight until she dies. Uh, but Sadie's mom had this gift of foresight. And she saw a horrible future where Apophis beat Bast. And so that's why the parents released her that day when the mom ended up dying from using too much of her power and combusting. And Carter thinks that following Ra sounds stupid and that he's a bad king. And the others are like, whoa, kid, that's dangerous and bad to say because the essence of the world is due to Ra and going against him is giving into chaos. And Horace tries to convince Carter to join his fight in defeat set. And he shows him Zia and Desjardins flying to Phoenix, and Set attacks the plane, and it's chaos on the plane. Then he shows him all the horrible things Set has done to Horus and his family throughout the years. And anyway, um, back to the journey they're on. They have to defeat a challenge before getting into the world of the dead, and a large lion man, not to be confused with a little lion man. Because you say it. <laughs> Not, it's not There's cool. no song about this guy. Not, not about this one. <laughs> he shows up. His name is Shezmu, and he has to be defeated um, in order from the past. And to defeat him, they just need to figure out what his true name is. And they manage to figure it out, and they pass the challenge. And Iskander's Ba shows up, and he explains some stuff to Sadie, not really going into details. Well, blah. They arrive at their destination, and a black jackal appears. Which one? <laughs> if you get that. It took me a second. If you get that, you're a real one. <laughs> but uh, the jackal transforms into the cute teen boy. Mm-hmm. And wow, did Rick Rorden cause a whole bunch of people to become simps 
for this god Anubis. That's right. The jackal-headed god appears as a attractive emo-ish boy. And I fell for him. Our friend Gabby fell for him. There, there are Anubis simps everywhere because of Rick Riordan. Looking him up. So if you look at the original artwork, it's um bad. If you look at the artwork done by that fan artist who became Rick Riordan's main artist, it's okay. Yeah. Well. Okay. So I got him confused with a Percy Jackson character. Nico. Yes. Yes. They, I thought this. Well, whole it's time really funny you say they that. They were the same. It's really funny you say that because Nico is a son of Hades. And Anubis is a god of the dead. So they're kind of the same. Well, sort of. In yeah. my mind, they're the same. They're similar. They're, they're both underworld vibes. But um, this time he's wearing black jeans, combat boots like Sadie wears, a ripped black t-shirt, and a black leather jacket. And like, we still are beating hearts. Like, the, they're related. That's Nico. Like no, that's Anubis. Yeah, that's, that's Anubis. Anubis. See, we fucking threw you a curveball, and it was... <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're the same. Yeah, he's an older version of Nico. Like Nico's this, only like he. 12. Okay, you know what this? And this guy, Anubis, is giving me um like the cool older brother of this traumatized child. <laughs> <laughs> well, in a way, they might be. Well, no, because I guess I don't. I don't. Egyptian mythology is it's a little complicated because Osiris is the Lord of the Dead, and Anubis is also a god, but he's like. A funeral god, I guess, not the god of the dead. It's so I don't know. I guess Osiris would be Hades and not Anubis. I don't know. It's complicated. Anyway, simp nation for Anubis, and like truly, I was in love. He said he like he looks like he's around sixteen years old. We'll get into his like weird age time relationship thing later. But yeah. Um, I guess it's also, this episode comes out a day before our friend Gabby's birthday, so this is her birthday present. Because <laughs> she also hardcore simped for him. Like, uh, I think we all deserve financial compensation. <laughs> <laughs> Which, it's really funny, too, because until I read this book, I was terrified of Anubis because of this book I read called House on Hackman's Hill, where Anubis is, um... Basically hunting down humans in the book. Great. It's like an evil spirit hunting humans. So I was terrified. And I read that when I was in elementary school. So I was always terrified about Anubis. And then this sarcastic emo teen shows up and is like, I'm Anubis. I was like, all right, I'm I'm here for this. (laughs) So... Anyway, uh, he's long and lean like a jackal, and his ears stick out a little bit like one, and Sadie finds it cute. Um, <laughs> so Anubis is a great conversation that really sets the tone for how Anubis is as a guy. So he looks at them, and he's confused and goes, you're not dead. And Sadie goes, not for lack of trying. Oh my god. <laughs> and he's like, I only deal with the dead. But then he sees Khufu and goes... You travel with a baboon, which shows you have good taste, so uh, I'll hear you out. (laughs) Uh, Anubis then listens to what Khufu has to say, because he speaks baboon. (laughs) And he doesn't want to help them. Um, He brings them to the Hall of Judgment, where there is a hippo the size of a poodle. That is Amit the Devourer. Oh. Um, I always thought Amit the Devourer was portrayed as a crocodile, but I guess sometimes it's a hippo. 
which I know were also relevant to Egyptian mythology, so I guess that makes sense. I'm usually not the size of a poodle, though. Yeah. Maybe I'm just remembering that wrong, though, about the crocodile. Anyway, uh, because of the disruption in the world, the scales um, to measure people's hearts aren't working, because sets fucking shit up. Anubis and Sadie then take a quick travel to New Orleans because it's a death god's paradise. It is funeral city, baby. There are so many graveyards. <laughs> no, he thrives in a graveyard. He doesn't need a human host if he's in a graveyard. So she's like, oh, so it's like this body in here is like, is this a human? <laughs> he's like, no, this is just who I am. <laughs> uh, and Sadie tries to tell herself that she shouldn't be interested in him because he's at least 5,000 years old and she's like 12. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And things get so, so weird with their relationship. People commend Rick Rorden on the fact that he didn't have, like, an age gap relationship in Percy Jackson because the, the re- relationship you see or at least hear of between gods and humans are always, like, adults. Yeah. But then this rolls around and you have a, a 12-year-old girl and a funeral god and then they get into a love triangle where she has a human she's interested in who's, like, you know, her age. Um spoilers I'm not really I won't even give you the full spoilers but let's just say the love triangle doesn't resolve the way you'd expect okay (laughs) anyway Anubis explains that he has been overseeing the underworld while Osiris was trapped and is surprised um and and kind of disappointed that Osiris hasn't returned now that he's been freed and Sadie's like oh uh that's because he's in my dad's body and he goes the baboon didn't mention this Oh my god. <laughs> and so this is Anubis realizes that by saving their dad, they'll also be saving Osiris. And he says that he can't give her the feather she needs because if she does one deceitful thing, says one lie while holding that feather, she will burn to ashes. And she gets mad that he's implying she is a liar and is like, hey, you're not telling the truth. Seth's your dad, isn't he? And Anubis goes, are you always this infuriating? To which Sadie says, usually I'm more infuriating. Oh my god. <laughs> they have the, their whole their whole relationship is the like, I can't stand you, we're flirting. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Anubis is like, yeah, technically Set's supposed to be my dad, but I've never met. And Nephthys is my mom, but she gave me to Osiris as a baby and bounced. So I just chilled in the underworld where time doesn't pass. I don't know how old I am. I don't know what time is. I just see people change when they're dead and they show up in different clothes. <laughs> That's how I know what the trends are in the world. <laughs> so he doesn't have a good life. If there's a reason he's dressed as an emo teen. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. It doesn't sound like it. And he misses Osiris, and Sadie says that Osiris can return if Anubis helps her. So Anubis says he will give her the feather with some conditions. The conditions are she will be the only one who handles it. Uh, If she runs into his mom, Nephthys, she will listen to her. And he gets to ask three questions of her while she's holding the feather, so she has to tell the truth. Um, And she's like, okay, fine. And he answered the feather and goes, are you ready? And she goes, no. Is that question one? And he actually has a little chuckle and is like, you win this round. That was the first question. (laughs) 
Um, and then he asks, would you give your life to save your brother? To which she says yes. And then he said, asks, if it means saving the world, are you prepared to lose your father? She thinks about it and says, if there was no other way, yes. And she feels very guilty, but she doesn't catch on fire. So obviously it was a truth. And then he, um, I, I skipped a good part. So when he was getting really fed up uh, with her earlier, he asks why her family hasn't married her off to someone far away. And she snapped on him saying that he clearly isn't up to date on modern courtship because she's 12 years old and people don't just marry off their daughters to random people. Oh my God. <laughs> and so before they leave, um, he says, perhaps next time we meet, you could bring me up to speed on modern courtship rituals. <laughs> and she, so then she she regroups with the others and they leave the underworld via the New Orleans exit. <laughs> Great. So now they have about 24 hours to figure out Seth's secret name and get to Phoenix. And the magicians are following them. And Carter's wondering why Desjardins is helping people on the flight. Like, if he is Seth's host, shouldn't he be evil? And Horace warns Carter that another challenge will happen soon. He's like, great, thanks. Zia manages to contact Carter through magic FaceTime and warns him that the power of the gods can't be handled and that he should meet her in Las Cruces, New Mexico, and that he can trust her. She just wants to talk to him. Meanwhile, Sadie meets Geb, the Earth God, and gives him the love letter. And he advises her to contact Nephthys uh, about Set's name and to go to the places of the crosses. And he also gives a whole Set is family spiel. Don't kill him, he's family. Mia Familia! It's Mia Familia! <laughs> uh, and since Nephthys is uh, the goddess of rivers, uh, they go to a river to try and summon her. And they sort of connect with her, but the connection is shaky because she says she is being kept far away in a sleeping host, and then they're attacked by crocodiles. And Bass sacrifices herself again, and this time it's for good. But Muffin the Cat, her host that she was in all those years, is alive and well. So the cat survives, just the goddess is dead. Uh, Anyway. I was was really worried about the cat. Yeah. Carter fights a crocodile god, and he is quite the comedy act with Horus, as they do their witty repartee. Amos shows up, having escaped set, and has Philip of Macedonia with him. And they go to Las Cruces based on both Azia and Geb's comments. And Amos, when when Carter says that they need to go to Las Cruces, first everyone's like, no. And then Sadie remembers what Geb told her. And Amos is like, okay, but what does that have to do with Las Cruces? And she's like, Amos, come on. Espanol. He told me to go to the crosses. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so Zia, go- Zia shows up at the planned meetup, but it turns out Mel, the other magician, ratted her out because Desjardins shows up and attacks them, and Zia ends up switching sides to help Carter and Sadie, and Desjardins summons Rod's ultimate warrior to fight them, but they end up blinding her with salsa, and it's fine. It's a whole fight. The fight ends with them blinding this goddess warrior thing with salsa. The jalapeno gets in her eyes, and it's not good. And Sadie thinks that salsa is just the kind of music. 
And you might think, who doesn't know what salsa is? But our friend studied abroad in London, where Sophie was raised. And they made guac... And in, like, 2017, they were making guacamole with peas in it. I don't think in 2010 they knew what salsa was. Wouldn't be surprised. (laughs) We just lost all our British listeners. Did we have any? I think we had a couple. Who knows? Um... Uh, Zia mentions that Iskander must have realized something bad was going to happen after the British Museum incident because he told her that she needed to go somewhere safe and she kind of has really fuzzy memories. She's like, well, obviously I'm here, so he didn't do that, but maybe it's because he died. I'm not really sure. I don't remember. And then she explains that she thinks she knows Set's real name. They're like, how could you possibly know that? And she says that there's been a voice whispering to her. And she thinks it's the name. So Carter now thinks that she is Nephthys' host. But Sadie's like, no, that's impossible because we just spoke to her. And she said she's far away in a sleeping host. Zia is here and awake. Uh, Amos regroups them and they depart for Phoenix. Um, And Zia really does not trust Amos. And Isis tries to convince Sadie that Horus needs to ascend the throne um, but Sadie doesn't want anything bad to happen to her brother. Amos is being sus. Zia thinks that Amos Amos is Set's host, and Sadie and Carter are like, nah, it's definitely Desjardins. Zia, we know. It's Desjardins. <laughs> She's like, I don't know. And so Amos is being sus. <laughs> and they get to Phoenix, and shit goes down. They manage to get into the pyramid after some fighting, and they find out that Zia was right. Amos has been possessed by Set. So Amos isn't evil, but he just didn't realize he was being manipulated by a god. And Set has this whole classic villain monologue about his trickery. And then says he looks forward to destroying all four of his siblings. And this is when we find out that Zia, indeed, is the host of Nephthys. But Carter is refusing to believe it now, despite being the one that earlier that was like, I think it's her. Anyway, they start fighting. It doesn't go well. Zia tells Carter to stop resisting. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Set captures Zia and is very confused and yelling, where is she? Where is she? And Carter realizes that Zia was telling him to stop resisting Horus and to combine their strengths. So it's the classic Naruto. (laughs) It's Naruto in the Nine Tails finally realizing that they need to just fist bump and join their powers together. They just gotta bro out. Yeah. Oh, my mind just flashed to the uh, um, AMV of uh, oh, Holding Out for a Hero oh. of Naruto showing up at the pain arc. Have you seen that? I think so, but... It's if, so funny. If you say the words Naruto and AMV, AMV to me, it's seven years. Once I was seven, seven years old. That AMV had no business being that good. That it, we have to watch both of those. Yeah. I'm not sure if the first one I was thinking of is an AMV or just a TikTok. It might just be a TikTok. Anyway. I'm pretty sure I've seen it. So yeah, they got to combine their strengths. And the fight's not going great still. Desjardins shows up, immediately falls into a pit of demons. Hi. <laughs> Within a paragraph. Hi. All is looking down until Sadie merges her powers with Isis as well. And so now we flash back to what was going on with Sadie during this fight. She was helping Zia after they, like... 
got her from Set's Clutches. And Zia says she's passing on a message from Nephthys and that Set's secret name is Evil Day. Yes, he was born on an evil day. Rick, I don't know, but maybe it's evil maybe it makes day. more sense in Egyptian, but evil day does not seem like a secret name. Yeah, what is an evil day? What does that even mean? Because the day he's like a malicious god, so like the oh. day he was born was an evil day. Okay. Um, Sadie realizes something about Zia, but we don't find out until later what she realizes. She then suddenly is transferred back to the underworld, which is in absolute chaos. And Anubis, my fave, is there. And he's a little little panicking. And he's just like, we need someone to take up the throne here or chaos will reign. And Sadie says that she does not want to give up Carter so Horus can take the throne. And then Iskander's ghost shows up and says... He doesn't have to, but the Kane family is the only hope. And then Bast's ghost is there, and she's upset because Bast is dead. And then she sees the day her mom died, and then she goes back to the fight. It was a very chaotic trip to the underworld. <laughs> they managed to defeat Seth, but Sadie doesn't banish him. And they re- they reveal that Apophis has been pulling the strings all along and manipulating Set. And they make a deal with Set that he will help them and not cause any trouble because Sadie knows his secret name and can end him. And Set appreciates the threat and chaos. Like, he's like, you know what? Isis has always been my favorite sister. <laughs> I love this. Yeah. Stay spicy. <laughs> I do love just the concept of secret names. Uh, like, anytime there's something like that, I'm like... Oh, the power of names is such a fun trope. Yes, I love it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Noragami, when they try to call him out and his name's not working, and I'm fucking Amaratsu? Yeah, Amaterasu? I don't know how to fucking say it. Fucking her shows up and whispers, and if you don't know any of that was, read Noragami. Go read Noragami. You can watch it first, but you might... You won't get a lot of the details if you watch it. Yeah. You you barely know you you just get a taste for one of my favorite characters in the anime. Yes, they, they really leave you hanging at the end of the second season with his reveal, and they just never gave us any more episodes. Yeah, pretty much because it's like post credits they reveal who he is. For some reason, this happened to me a few months ago too, where I was like, I thought there was like a rumor about season three. There's not. I mean, there is, but it's completely not, baseless. Yeah. I had to just double check it was in fact a rumor and not a thing. Yeah, um, I I forgot where we were. Oh, anyway, yeah, so Seth was like, Seth, cool move. Seth's like, all right, I'm gonna stop trying to destroy the world now. For now, <laughs> I'll, uh, we'll have some fun. <laughs> yeah, he does give me for funsies vibes. He has strong for funsies vibes. He's tur- like, he was a bit evil in this book, but he's just chaotic neutral. Anyway, uh, at some point during the fight, they had transported to DC, so that's where they're at right now. Zia treasure crossover. Nick Cage is back. <laughs> Nick Cage is a magician. Uh, the magician's apprentice. Or yes, they mentioned that. They mentioned not not the Nick Cage version, <laughs> but they mentioned that in this book. <laughs> Or actually, I guess technically they mention. But mm, sort of Nicholas Cage cinematic universe. <laughs> I'm pretty sure brunch is dumb. No, but yeah, but they, they let's see. Okay, yeah, they do mention that in the book because they they talk about the the um 
uh, they basically talk about the Fantasia one, but the the brooms magician's apprentice scene being rooted in Egyptian mythology, which I don't know if that's true. Well, I googled Nicolas Cage Cinematic Universe, <laughs> and the top result was an article from January of this year that I find to be slightly questionable. Marvel's reportedly desperate to get Nick Cage back as Ghost Rider. Forgot about Ghost Rider. Yeah, so did everybody. Apparently there's been plenty of rumors that Nicolas Cage was in talks to join the MCU in some capacity. Okay. So, anyway, moving on from that. (laughs) Yeah, um, anyway, so Zia reveals that she is a clay person and that Carter should go find the real Zia because she would like to go on that date. Um... Amos is in, and then she disintegrates. Amos is in rough shape. Um, to backtrack, Iskander realized that she was in danger because she was hosting the goddess, and so he hit her, put her asleep, and made this clay version of her. Mm-hmm. But he's dead. Who knows where she's being kept? Carter's girlfriend turned to dust. <laughs> Is that? Do you think that's worse than your girlfriend turning into the moon? Um. Well, I mean, I say like the whole this whole thing is it's not as bad because the real Zia is out there. But just the, like, would you rather have your girlfriend turn into the moon or disintegrate? See, but here's the thing: like, she disintegrates and then she's just kind of gone. But if she's the moon, like, she's always up there. You always gotta see her at night. Yeah, but then anytime you move on with your life, she's there. Well, that's what I mean. Like, she's just always around. Yeah, well, like, if that could just make you more sad. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying it's worse. Oh, it's worse. It's I worse thought you were saying it's better. Cause no, always, like, no, 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 it's, it's worse, worse because, like, because then, you know, can, you can never really move on from that. Yeah. I mean, Sokka does. Yeah, he finds his own closure, but yeah. it's it's easier to move on from a pile of dust. dust. <laughs> from dust to dust. <laughs> than it is to have, like, the giant You're moon. You're dust in the wind. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, also, Desjardins not dead and is very pissed off, but he's like, all right, if we cross paths again, it'll be a problem. But for now, I'm just going home. <laughs> Bye. Um, and they're Sadie and Carter are very upset because they were not able to save their dad. And they go back to Brooklyn, uh, and Anubis shows up and brings them to the underworld. And this is the first time that Carter has seen Anubis as the teen boy. The other time he saw him in the underworld, he looked like the jackal-headed god. And so Sadie was like, why am I going to look this? He's the cute boy. (laughs) (laughs) But now he appears like Carter can see it. Sadie, from the beginning, has always been better at, like, perceiving things Uh um, in the kind of god and magic world. But anyway, they go to the underworld, and they find out that their dad is there. He is combined with Osiris, and is now ruling the underworld as Osiris. But also, he's still kind of himself. And that this was his plan all along. Great. <laughs> Dying was always the plan. <laughs> and plus, in the afterlife, he gets to be reunited with their mom. Love of his life. Aww. Yeah. And he gives them an amulet that will help them find new magicians to train so they can rebuild the house of life and stop chaos. And Anubis and Sadie have more of the I hate you, lol, flirting, where um, Sadie, like, snaps at her dad about something and he's like, oh, Anubis, like, didn't I tell you that, like, she is a, like, I, I, I can't, I have to do it justice. Well, um, 
while you're looking for that. Yeah. Um, I just needed to share. I did look at oh. <laughs> The original Anubis. He's giving me... Um, oh, the original Anubis is horrible. He's giving me Taylor Lautner, uh, Twilight, as um, but like a P- PS1 video game version Let of him. <laughs> I don't see that. It's just it's, a very unfortunate... But, and like, what's funny is he's supposed to look like a 16-year-old. Can we, can we talk about this Nico? <laughs> no, the Nico is... No, the Nico is wrong. I don't know where Rick found this original artist. Well, one eye is massively smaller than the other one. I don't know one. where Rick found this original artist. And then a couple of these others are... I think they're just straight up fan art. These can't be real. Let me see. Okay, well, there's this one. This is the next one. What does the thing above it say? Like, the letters? R-R. Rick Rorden. Well, here's R-R-2. R-R... Maybe not. I don't know. And then there's GN... Graphic novel? Graphic novel. So that one's official, but the so two I don't know R's, what the R's. I don't know what the R's are. The R's have gotta be. I can only think Rick Rorden. Like, did he draw this himself? It's his own fan art. <laughs> anyway, here's the dialogue. Um, so, uh, Sadie's perspective. Dad looked at Anubis. What did I tell you about her? Fiercer than Amid, I said. You didn't need to tell me Anubis's face was grave. I've learned to fear that sharp tongue. Oh my god. <laughs> Like, Anubis is genuinely just like, this girl is kind of scary. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway. So, um, Horus and Isis leave their bodies, which is apparently just something they could have been doing all this time. And Horus takes the throne. And the gods say that they're going to give them thank you presents for everything they did. And the dad wants them to pass a message to Amos. And the message is that Egyptians believe in the power of the sunrise. The rising sun brings not only a new day, but a new beginning, which is a quote I absolutely love. Like, I love that idea. That every day is a new beginning. But it's a cooler way of saying it. Uh, Anyway, so they go home and the next day they have cool new swag and a repaired mansion. Like, they got all new clothes from the gods. Their house is all fixed up. And Amos says that he's going to leave for a while to visit healers. And Carter and Sadie are like, I mean, that's probably for the best, but, like, we can't travel the world and do shit without an adult. Surprise, shorty! Oh, my God. (laughs) Bast is back from the dead, thanks to the gods. You love to see it. You love to see it. This bitch just won't stay dead. (laughs) Like a real cat. How many? I mean, that's only then got nine lives. I mean, she, she doesn't really, but anyway. So they talk about the crazy future they're going to have with training people trying to stop the end of the world again, probably. Uh, and then they end the tape because remember this is all a tape by explaining the whole amulet and the locker from the beginning, the end. Uh, in conclusion, I love Egyptian mythology. And the Anubis relationship with Sadie is absolutely wild. They do share a little kiss in book two. <gasps> they have a little slow dance in either book two or book three. And then at the end of book three, Anubis takes a permanent human host, which is the other side of the love triangle. So Sadie gets both her love interests in one. Yeah, I did see on his wiki page that they Walt. were in a, in a relationship. Oh. Yeah, Walt. It said Anubis slash Walt. I just... <laughs> Good question. It. Walt was dying anyway. Oh, classic. <laughs> so Anubis just possessed his body, so it looks like Walt. 
But is Anubis. That's a healthy relationship dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, because the whole myth of trapping Osiris in the box, it was so familiar to me, and like, I thought I had read it somewhere other than this book, so I was trying to see if it was a Tuttenstein episode. Um, which, how familiar are you with Tuttenstein? Do you even know what I'm talking Not about? Not at all. When I say Tuttenstein? No. It was a wrong. cartoon... The cartoon series follows the adventures of, um, oh, it wasn't Tutankhamen. Ooh, my bad. Uh, oh, Tutankhamun, no. I a never watched year old it, Egyptian but... mummy on display in a museum who is revived in the present day by a bolt of lightning. And then there's like a, a girl who, for some reason, is. She's there. She's yeah. con- somehow connected and she's a cat. Anyway, I was trying to figure out if an episode of that went over the Osiris being trapped in a coffin myth. And it didn't, but I have to read a really funny uh, episode description from you. This is from the Tuttenstein fandom page. And the episode is called Near Dead Experience. Tut is worried that Cleo might die from bronchitis. Because of this, he decides to get his own doctor to preserve her the way he'd been preserved. Tut doesn't get the concept of the cold. This could have went better. Okay. (laughs) Who wrote that episode description? (laughs) Yeah, I... So I never watched this because I didn't watch any, like, Discovery shows. But um, I do remember seeing it and being... uh, I just didn't like it. Because our friend Shay liked it. I was creeped out. He's a confused blend of zombie pharaoh and Frankenstein. <laughs> this art style was not one I enjoyed generally. Um, ah. But the like zombie characters never were something I wanted to watch. Tuttenstone. I had a bomb opening. Oh, God. After the episode ends, I'll play it for you. But yeah, you should read American Gods. I, I should. Because, yeah, Rick Warden. He's done so much more with myths now. He has a Norse one that I I didn't know about until a couple of years ago. I haven't read. I actually have, haven't actually read the book three in this series. I just know how most of it goes down. So we'll do that one day. And we'll cover Percy Jackson. I have to. It's a classic. I did read the first one. That's well, it. I read the first Percy Jackson book. Nice. So good ones. Yeah. But uh, any takeaways from this book? You know, no. No? <laughs> None whatsoever? I feel like we addressed it. Yeah. Midway. So it was a fun read. It was a good one, Ricky. Yeah, I can I can see why it's good, but why I never read it as a child. You can see why an absolute nerd like me, who at age 10 bought their own copy of the uh, Egyptian Book of the Dead. <laughs> no, this absolutely tracks her what I know about you as a person. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, I wonder if I still have that copy somewhere. I was convinced I was going to be able to, like, crack some. I do love the contrast of, like, the bulk of the books that we've read. Yours are, like, all, like fun adventures and, like, mythology You're based. like, depressed. <laughs> like, like, depressed teen romances. <laughs> well, next, next, not next week, because you're, what are you doing next week, do you know? Um, probably Ferris. By nice. And then I am doing, after that, I'm taking an old school summer reading and we're covering Hatchet by Gary Coulson. <laughs> Not Hatchet! We're covering Why Hatchet! Reading Hatchet! I, I, I want to read Hatchet! It counts as YA! Did 
Did I ever read Hatchet? I don't think so. What about Lost in the Mountain in Maine? What? Did I ever read that? That's a book. That sounds like my life. <laughs> that was a summer reading book, um, like, the year before I moved there. Like, it's like a childhood book. Oh, my gosh. Lost on the Mountain in Maine. Goodreads. It's got 3.9 stars. Yeah, based on the true account of a boy's harrowing journey through the vast wilderness of the Katahdin Mountains. Oh. It's a gripping survival story for all ages. Nice. Oh, okay, why is this the top question? Was Don Fendler found naked at the time of his rescue? Oh. Why do you care? I forgot to mention that in part of the uh, Disney Plus... Is that who? Yeah, because he's with Hyperion, whatever. I think the part of the Disney Plus deal where Gordon House is a TV adaptation of Kane Chronicles. Wow. Yeah, exciting stuff. As well as Percy Jackson, which I'm so disappointed I'm now too old to play any of the characters, not that I can act. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. Rick Gordon, what a guy. Fun fact, he had a tweet saying that Artemis was ace, and then he deleted it. And I'm like, mm, why are you backtracking on that? That feels so arbitrary. Like, why would you go back and delete it? I don't know. Because I went to find the tweet, like, a while after you posted it, to share it with someone, and I found, like, responses to it, and then it was like, tweet has been deleted. And I was like, mm, what happened here? Anyway. Um, well, that's the end. Follow us on social. Right. We're getting some exciting emails. And by we're getting, I mean, we got... Weeks ago. <laughs> we got one, that one email. Yeah. Oh, we're going to be covering a... We're going to have a new book wreck for you, like an actual wreck. Like not, a real new A book. real new book wreck coming at you soon on our social. I have to read that. <laughs> yeah. I, I forwarded it to you, and I'm like, I don't think Mary got it. I didn't. I forgot about it. Okay, good. Anyway, follow us on social. Instagram, why a book podcast. TikTok, why a book a Twitter Why Book Podcast. Email us whybookpodcast at gmail.com. That's the end. If you goodbye. want pictures of our bald cat. No. Oh, not the bald cat. Cute <laughs> pictures of him in a Hawaiian oh, shirt. If you want to see pictures of our cat wearing his shirt because he can't be trusted. He's just going through it. He had a panic attack. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs>